in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's program I talk to Charlotte Hook, avant-garde musician from Switzerland, so stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Berlin. Germany is one step closer to tougher gun laws. In response to a March school shooting in which a teenager shot 15 people dead, the German cabinet has introduced amendments to Germany's gun laws. German gun owners, who number between 10 and 12 million, would be subject to unannounced random checks of how and where they store their weapons. If guns are accessible to anyone other than the license holder, that person will be subject to punishment. If a judge finds that someone deliberately allowed adolescents access to firearms, that person will face a prison sentence. The parliament decides next month about the new law. Berlin Germany is losing the cream of its workforce to other countries. Researchers have found that some 180,000 Germans have left their country in the past five years, the majority of them on a one-way ticket. Now some say that it's time for politicians to wake up and realize that those who are leaving are better qualified than those coming in from elsewhere. One field where the personal pinch is being acutely felt is medicine. Others demand a critical look at immigration laws, with priority to people who could offer Germany needed skills. Berlin The discovery that the policemen who unwittingly helped trigger the 1968 student protest movement was a Stasi spy has unleashed a heated historical debate in Germany. The policeman shot Berlin student Benno Ohnesorg in 1967. His death radicalized many students and is seen as one of the factors that led to the student protest movement one year later and the emergence of the far-left Bader-Meinhof terrorist group. Now Germany is asking itself what would have happened if people had known that the policeman who fired the fatal shot was a communist and a Stasi informant. The issue has also raised questions about whether the gigantic archive of Stasi files is being combed thoroughly enough to reveal the Stasi's involvement in West German institutions during the Cold War. Berlin The Second World War began with the Nazi invasion of Poland on September 1st in 1939. Nearly 70 years later, a new exhibit in Berlin's German Historical Museum focuses on the rocky history of German-Polish ties. Around 750 photographs, documents, works of art and other historical items, many from personal collections, are on display. The exhibit highlights their 1939 invasion via Gdansk as well as the brutal Nazi occupation of Poland through 1945. The way history is viewed and taught in both countries is quite different. The Poles concentrate on the battles that took place in Poland during World War II. And the bigger problem was that Poland was often not even mentioned at all in German textbooks. Oh, 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 oh. 
Charlotte Hook is a classically trained musician traveling back and forth between her home countries Switzerland and England, where she's a member of an experimental music group. Last week she was in San Francisco for a concert presenting her latest album Lift, released on Edgetone Records, a cooperation between her and Guillermo Galindo, a native Mexican living in Oakland. Both are testing the limits and borders of what music is, what music should be. For themselves and for the listeners. When I met Charlotte Hook, I wanted to know first what music means to her. I mean, I'm really, really kind of relieved. I'm flying with music if I, if I feel that the people where I'm with it, with the musicians and with the audience, if they fly as well. So if we can fly, if we can make a transition in in energies which comes rarely out, um, if music can touch really the innerest and the most spiritual um, hidden places in us, in the human beings, yeah. It's very personal. I mean, for me, music is really something, one expression of kind of energies with our hidden in the world and which can express the whole range of human feelings, human thinkings and, and it's it's I like a hug to all the human expressions. And what is very important, so it's it's it can be from the really diabolic side to the very kind of real angel music, but it's always in a transition so it's it's in if diabolic kind of energy is in the music it's already in a transition so it's kind of in the music it's it has another energy then then you know it's transformed in a way so music can really include everything and to to make a reflection about everything so nothing is excluded Listening to your music, I have this impression you are redefining what music is. Some might say your music is noise. Is noise music to you? Mm, I mean, there is music I can live with. For example, Morton Feldman. I really listen very, very often to Morton Feldman, and it's just it's music to live with, and it's it's and I really have to say. Some music is kind of really decomposing myself. So if I listen to other music, so it's music, but it's not what I want to do, you know. So to say what's music and what is not music is not my thing. So I can only say what I what I really want with the music I do. So I have the responsibility of the music I do. And here I'm very clear. Um, It's really about the energy and it's about including a lot of human um, tension, of human great spiritual abilities about about human who has a, who have a, has an extreme curiosity and for example with the with the collaboration with Giuliermo, I feel he really comes from 
a totally different background. He's Mexican. He grew up in Mexico City. The first time he saw nature was in the zoo. So this is where he grew up and he had the impression of nature very, very late because he was he grew up in that huge city and it's the opposite of me. So I grew up of course in, in the center of Zurich but I went to the, the mountains each weekend and my studio is still in the mountains in a in a big barn. So we have really a different background. But we have also a common background, which we are both visual artists, we are both composers, we are both improvisers. So you can meet a person who grew up in a totally different continent, in a totally different situation, and you can make music together. And especially with Giuliermo, I feel like it's a huge um, experience which can come together in one moment. And this is really one of my ideals, that um, the music is not excluding persons or emotions, but is finding a form, is finding a composition, is finding an improvisation, an instant composing. It's to integrate all this, but in a, in a, in a good structure. So all the energy, energies, all the cultures uh, have their place in music and translated in an artistic way. What is for you more challenging, to sit down in a studio and compose and record or to present your music live on stage and in front of an audience? I do both and I like both. Um, I, as you probably know, I do a lot of solo performances and here I create the room. So, for example, I go into a glacier or I go to Ireland and I... I, I'm discussing with the engineers of uh, harbor and shipbuilders, and so I'm in. I, even if I play a solo, I'm very, very connected with people. So if I'm preparing a solo performance, I'm I go to people who live very, very differently, who have, a, for ex for example, the Irish people. They have really another conscious of of ghosts of uh, accompany dead people by keening you know this special song so it's if it's a solo performance I go to people maybe some months in Ireland I was for three years I went there several times so I if it's a solo work I can really go deep into something which is very often not possible if you are in a group because the time is really very short and you just have a very, very intense encounter, which is great, you know, but it's another thing. So I would say a long-term work is more my solo work and I translate them into graphic scores. I try to translate the room, the spiritual room I got from these people into a room installation. So I, it's more like a an ongoing work over years and for example with Giuliermo it's also an ongoing collaboration we met I think four years ago in Newfoundland and we had a very intense encounter we were talking we were we were instantly feeling like wow yeah we have something to say together 
And it was so intense that we were in two different continents and we were emailing and exchanging music and, you know, we, we are in contact. But then we come together maybe every six months, you know, so we all, we work in our environment and come together and bring all this and then we work extremely intensive together, give concerts and then we are separate again. So it's a totally different way of, of working. But I love both. And of course, to work with musician is like the bonus, of course. <laughs> Charlotte, you like to explore and use the rooms for your music. Why is that? You know, I want to integrate in my music a lot of, um, a lot of energies. And I don't want to exclude things. So um, the idea to play in a glacier or in a viaduct where the, the acoustics are totally extreme. These are rooms which are kind of emotional rooms, which are an abstraction of, of human expressions. And of course, in the red light district, it was, um, it was a very special situation because I actually made light for a photographer and then I came into this torture chamber and I made light for the photographer and I was in there and it was totally soundproof because it was in a building of flats so um, they had special um, equipment to really make it soundproof and you feel in this room that you have a lot of sounds in it and a lot of human sounds which are in a very extreme situation so I remember Laurie Anderson, she made a series of uh, hotel rooms. So she went into hotel rooms and was listening with her inner ear what, what went on in these rooms. And I felt like in this special torture chamber, it's totally quiet, but it's full of sound and the sounds cannot um, escape. So I wanted to play, I played one week in this torture chamber. And this to listen to sounds which are, or to make sounds audible which normally are not audible. So that's one of the things I'm really, I'm into it. That's an interesting concept, but what else is out there for you, like playing on a mountaintop or deep down in a bunker? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was playing in Berlin in a bunker as well. And it's uh, in Humboldt Hain. It's one of the kind of safest bunkers in the world because it, they were indestructible. So um, there are two towers and the people could not destroy the towers after the war. So they built a huge hill up. So they, they hided the towers in the hill. And now you don't climb to the tower, but you go down. So the towers are in the earth. And I did some research about the towers, the Flakturme, and it was the, the, the bunker where the children were born because it, it was one of the safest um, bunkers, but it was also the tower where Goebbels made the concerts. So it's full of music, it's full of birth, it's, it's really, there are a lot of human kind of 
emotions and sounds in it and very contradictory sounds. So I was there, I had a residency in Berlin for three months and I really worked almost every day in the bunker and just to hear, to get into the the inner listening of, yeah, what, what can I hear? And this was the most extreme uh, situation because I think it's very dangerous to go into such powerful places. Um, I'm not this generation who really lived at the time, so I cannot have an idea of that. But um, the important thing is to translate it in an artistic language of somebody who comes generations after in that bunker and who who tries to, to listen what is still there. So it's not in a historical context to, I mean, there are a lot of photos and history made and this is horrible. So I don't want to double that, but to find other kind of energetic movements which are in. And, and the good thing is the nature took the bunker already, you know, so you see roots coming through and you see a lake. So I'm kind of more in the transition. So the nature takes the bunker back and it's a, I like places of transition. So in the bunker, it's not historical to tell the story, but to feel the transition after many years, you know. You're Swiss. How much of your heritage comes out through your music? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really playing all over. So this is influencing me a lot. And I would say artistically, my home is London. But I'm Swiss and I'm very connected with this country in different ways. So um, the mountains is really something which influenced my hearing a lot. So what I do when I'm in the mountains and my barn, I told you, is in Urnege, is in, up in Celeland, in the mountains near the Sentis. And I do a lot of, very often I do kind of walks where I play and sing. And you can imagine it's a hilly landscape, very soft, but then suddenly you have the rocks, you have rocks of 3000 meters. And if you play and if you turn a little bit to the south or to the north, you have a totally different image of your echoes and of the acoustic landscape. So this hearing, listening, in the context, context of a landscape is influencing me a lot. And actually, I work with the ECST, this is the uh, Center of Computer Music in Switzerland, and they work with ambisonic, three-dimensional sound diffusion. And this is kind of my artistic translation of the space, which is, it's an acoustic space, it's an acoustic land space, landscape. This is only one one experience, but I think the nature is more important than I think after 
seven months in London, the first thing I did, I went on the titlis. And I, I just have this feeling, I needed to have this feeling to be on the top of the mountain and to have the, the air, which is very thin. So the sounds, they're traveling differently. And if the sun comes up, the air gets warmer and the sounds are kind of flying higher and higher. And the opposite is on the sunset so that you are really connected if you play the music you're connected with your environment so that you that if it's getting warmer or if the wind the wind is taking your music away far away maybe and so this feeling of being connected with with what is around with it yeah that's that is very 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 important for me Do you get influenced in your music by reading newspapers or observing daily events? You know, I don't translate things in the newspaper directly into art. This is not my way. But I think, I mean, I am really influenced by going to a space and meeting the people and making interviews making drawings, filming them. For example, I was in Ireland in 2005, and if you ask kind of political statements, um, I was invited to create an installation for the European City of Culture 2005, and it was supposed to be in a ship. But then, six weeks before the show, the, si this, the ship was sold, so I didn't have a space. So I, I was in Ireland, I knew the, 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 the cards were already printed out, so, but I had no space. And you can imagine, in, in a city which is the cultural European city of the culture, you don't find a big space. So I was looking with a curator for a space and they finally gave me the, the possibility to, to see one and it was a fabulous big huge building and then I asked them but why why nobody wants to do something here and they told me yeah look uh, it's a special story about this building um, you know maybe the film Magdalena Laundries so um, it was a laundry this building and people told me until 1986 there was a law in south of Ireland in the Catholic part of Ireland that if a woman was pregnant without marriage out of marriage um, she had to go in a special territory where you could find a hospital a chapel a church and a huge laundry so This woman had to give birth to the child in that hospital, give the child to the church for adoption and work the whole life like a prison in the laundry. And this was such a laundry until 1960, 1986. So it's unbelievable. And It was still heated because it was um, it was a historical building, but it was empty. But you could see a lot of dust, maybe 10 centimeters of dust everywhere. And and then we, for example, I could not say instantly, yes, I will do it. But I slept 
three nights in that building to just get the spirit of it and to know more about can I do it or is it not the time to do it? <laughs> so I like to be confronted with with human questions. But I normally I don't read it in the newspapers, but I, I really have to make an, a deep experience with the space, with people. And very often I sleep there some nights to just get it into maybe my unconscious if and and to to be able hopefully to make an artistic translation so i decided yes i do it and we had to do a lot of clean work and then i met people i met a man who was in love with one of these uh, women who was working in the laundry so i do research i found love letters i found um <laughs> funny uh, drawings about football players with all kind of sexual, um, you know. So these these women were really like, oh, we want to see men. <laughs> and and also I found uh, letters with with special writings. So it was a secret writing. So they could not express everything they wanted. And we made with the curator. I made an exhibition of all this. And then I worked six weeks in this laundry and we had open hours every day where people can could see my work, my process, and I made interviews. So it's, you know, I worked with journalists. They, they wrote, somebody, a Swiss artist is working in a laundry. The laundry is open since more than 20 years. If a person wants to go, and to talk, there is an open hour, you can talk. And I was also accompanied by um, a psycho, psych, psychiatr. So you have to be prepared that people are really extremely touched when they come into the laundry for the first time. So I tried to, I mean, this was maybe one of the most political performances I did. But then you have to you need a whole network of people which can... It's a strong topic, you know, so you have to be careful what it can what it can do to people. So it's all about energy, you know. It's, it's about strong energy as well, so you have to be careful. You can find Charlotte Hook online at charlottehook.ch. We are online at radiogoethe.org. We also can subscribe to our free podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Arndt Peltner. Mein Name ist Charlotte Hook und Sie hören jetzt gerade Radio Goethe.